0: What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lin, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. I'm happy you're tuning in and joining me on this journey as we talk about leadership and its effect on the employee experience. Do you look at Best Place to Work lists? When they come out, I love reading the reviews to learn more about what it's like to work there and the experience employees have. But the employee experience doesn't just occur in the office or at home during business hours. It starts way before the employee's first day at the company. Really, when you think about it, it starts the moment you hear about that company and definitely during the recruiting process. So, I got a chance to talk to Ben White, recruiting guru of Ben Talks Talent and director of talent services at Titus Talent Strategies. Ben has been in the recruiting industry since 2010 and currently leads a team of recruiters to create a positive experience for candidates and employers. We got to talk about his journey in becoming a leader. The lessons he's learned so far and how recruiting ties in heavily with the employee experience but before we hop into the interview i want to share a little bit more about umap if you're currently looking for a job or possibly looking to shift your career and aren't sure where to start you definitely need umap by best-selling author and leading people first guest Kristen sherry umap reveals the four pillars of career fit strengths values preferred skills and interests The award-winning profile turns insights into practical action for your job search to help people like ben and his team make the right hire for more information go to myumap.com now let's dive right into this episode with ben white hey ben how's it going good good how are you doing chris i'm doing awesome i'm really excited to have you on because you are someone that just constantly puts out content and you are very very focused on leading people first and it's something that uh, really excites me so I'm really really excited to have you on.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to be on. Let's uh, let's get into this thing.
0: Perfect. The question I like to ask every guest is what does it mean to you to lead people first? Yeah. Um, you know, leadership is is such a
1: it's such a huge responsibility in my opinion. It's I don't I don't care what your industry is, to me it's the most important thing you can do if you're leading people. I look at all the things that I'm responsible for. And nothing is more important to me than leading my people in the right way. And part of that is putting them first. So when you're making decisions, when you're interacting with clients, whatever it is, it's just thinking about your people, um, as the first component of that decision-making process and doing what's best for them. Um, and that's not just when it's easy. Cause there's a lot of times when it's easy to be like, oh yeah, people first. But also when it's hard to do the best thing for your people that that's to me, that's the difference. And, and that's when you're actually leading people first, because if you say people first and you do it just when it's easy, then you don't have a thing you live by. You have a nice saying that sounds nice. Yeah. Putting your people first all the time, you know, easy or challenging. And that's what, it that's what it comes down to. And that's what it means to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially as we look at the difficulties that we're going through right now in our current economy and the current right. state of the pandemic, right? You see a lot of organizations who say that they're focused on their employees, but then they do, they make business decisions that are the complete opposite, right? They, yeah, they, absolutely. You, you know, you look at things like layoffs and you look at things that benefits being cut back um, and job security really not being there. And job security probably is one of the number one things that a lot of people really just need to be able to do a good job because that that way it's not in the back of their head, their minds. Right. Right. So, no, I agree for sure. So I'd love to hear about just your growth into where you're currently at as a director at Titus, Uh, you know, talk us through how you got there and how you learned to lead people first.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a fun journey because I hadn't ever led or managed anyone before in my, in my life. Like prior to Titus, um I had played on a lot of sports teams growing up and I was a uh, captain of a few teams and I think in some ways like leading people like there has kind of there are still principles that I think make you a good leader on a rugby field that make you a good leader of people in the business world. Um very different environments, but there is certainly some commonalities in the leadership aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um but for for Titus, um I was I wasn't looking. Um, and my, my company CEO actually reached out to me. Um, he sent me a message on LinkedIn asking if I wanted to talk about just recruitment and trends and, and at the end he said, also, I would like to talk about you maybe coming to my company. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we talked and he, he told me about Titus and, um, it was just so different. It was so different than every other recruiting company I'd ever really, you know, known about. Um, so I decided to come. And, uh, I was interested in coming because I wanted to lead people. That was part of the whole thing is I wanted to lead people. And he said, before you do that, you need to come in and learn our model recruit and then wins, win the heart and minds of the people. And if you succeed, we will promote you. Um, and so I did that. So I I came in as a recruiter. Um, a few short months later, I was promoted to a senior recruiter. And then a few months after that, they let me, um, start building my own team. And uh, I started off with two people on my team. It was my first time I had ever um, managed people. Um, one of those people is still on my team. Another one is on another team in the company. Um, and now I, you know, now it's it's grown over the past three years. And now um, now I manage the biggest team in my company. So we've got a team of, um, of fourteen recruiters uh, on my team, and most of them report to me. If you report to some of my senior people. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a fun, interesting journey where I kind of learned
0: by doing it, um, which has been really fun. So curious, where did you what or I should say, what is something that you had a thought about what leadership was? Yeah. And then coming now being an actual manager of people, what is something that changed or a misconception that you may have had about leadership before?
1: Yeah, I think I thought it was more cut and dry. Right. I think like you're like, all right, you know, they've got things you've got to accomplish you lead people. Um, but what you find when you get into leadership is that everybody is so different and there's so many things that you need to balance juggle and manage um, and the interpersonal component of it to me. um, is so much more challenging than I thought it was going to be initially. But at the same time, it's so much more rewarding than simply having an objective and accomplishing that objective. Like finding the way to lead each person in the way they need to best be lead is kind of where all the challenge and all the fun and rewardingness of being a leader is to me. So I think that was a part where I was like, oh yeah, no, Pretty simple. You come in, you know, you you put together a plan, you roll that plan out, and then everything goes according to plan. Uh, Not always the case.
0: Yeah. So that was different. I think I've had that. I had that misconception too because growing up, I was in a similar spot. I think that you may, you know, you say you were in where you you just kind of naturally led a group of people, especially sports. Um, But then you get into the business world, and you think oh yeah, people are different, right? Like yeah, there's there's a totally. lot of nuance, uh, a lot of nuance to people and groups and cultures. And that's something that, you know, you have a very good, I think, uh, handle on uh, yeah. as I, you know, as you you share more about your story um, and a lot of the work that you do, so.
1: Yeah, one of the things that's so interesting, I think you to, to dive a little bit deeper on this topic is that, um, You know, you think about yourself, and I think about what motivates me, right? And I'm thinking growth, expanding my influence, my scope. And then you get into a leadership role, and some people just want none of that. And the things that motivate you don't motivate them at all. And the things that demotivate you might be encouraging to them. So, you know, you're right. People are very nuanced. And it's learning what motivates everybody and how do you, again, how do you be the best manager for them? What do they want? You know, how can you help them achieve that? And you just have to walk into it knowing if you've got 10 different people, they might want 10 different things.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: How do you learn that? And how do you make that part of your strategy? Um, Which again, that's where all the fun is. uh, If you ask me, it's more challenging, but it's more fun.
0: So how do you find what motivates people? I think that that's something I find that a lot of managers, they either gloss over or they don't know how to do. So how do you you individually go about finding those motivations of, of your team?
1: yeah um that's a great question and you know i think if you're for one if you're glossing over that i think that's a problem right i think you are you are leaving motivational tools on the table um so for me it's open and honest communication so with every single person on my team um i have a weekly one-on-one with them and that weekly one-on-one isn't about me Cascading information from the organization. It isn't about me saying, "Hey, this we need to improve upon this." Um, I go into that meeting every single week, and it's about them. This is your one-on-one. What do you want to talk about? If I have things I need to share, I do that in real time throughout the course of the week. But during my one-on-one with my people, it's about them. And sometimes they want to talk about work problems, and they want my strategic guidance. And sometimes they want to talk about what they did over the weekend, and I. So that's what we do. So I think a big part of it is you have a medium for that communication, and the other part of it is you're making them comfortable so that they can talk to you, um, and you're asking the questions. If you don't ask questions like, "Hey, we're sitting down here for your your quarterly conversation. What would make what would make this a success um, three months from now?"
0: Cool. So, so looking at uh, looking at Titus and how different they are as a recruiting agency, as a recruiting firm. Talk more about how Titus as an organization really does lead people first, right? They have a different model than most people uh, are used to. So talk more about Titus.
1: Yeah, our, um, so our, our CEO and founder, um, his, whole, his whole thing is that he feels like recruitment as it's done traditionally is very used car salesman, there's not a lot of trust. And when he started our, our company, he wanted to change that. He wanted to be like, no, we're your partner. Um, and we have eight lived values, and, and one of them is integrity. And that's a big part of everything we do. So our model started by saying, what if you could rent one of our recruiters? So we have recruiters, they specialize in what they do, but what if you could rent them and they would be part of your organization? So that's kind of how it started. So we have a very transparent model. Um, it's hourly so you're not paying a fee based on you know percentage of salary it you know it's we have no horse in the rates we want you to hire the best person for you um, so it's just it's it's a very transparent model i've done recruitment in two other two other places so on the agency side and then two places on like kind of the corporate recruiting side and it's, it's just so unlike everything else that i've experienced because it truly is absolutely transparent um, you know, we, we send over weekly reports that detail everything we do. I mean, there's a lot of accountability. There's a lot of transparency. Transparency. Um, so th- there's probably, a, I could go on forever about the ways yeah. I think Titus is different, but just from like, you know, if you were to say, Ben, 20 seconds, how is it different? A lot of it comes down to just the absolute transparency um, and the integrity in which we operate. I think we're also really good at what we do. We target, we do 100% passive candidate recruitment So we just target people who are top 25% performers in their industry. We never post anything online. We don't have a database. It's 100% targeted, 100% going after the people that our our clients wouldn't be able to engage themselves unless Mm -hmm. they were doing passive recruitment. If you could post something on Indeed and people apply, and those are the people we are bringing to you, we are bringing you no additional value. We go find you the people that you have to actively go after because they're not looking for a new job.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of the model. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you've been told some really bad advice as a recruiter, uh, you know, some, some yeah. of the interviews that you, you've shared. And one was that you shared that a manager who told you that it was about you, right? And not the client, not the candidates, but you as a recruiter, which was a bit baffling when I heard that. Yeah. And we know that building relationships is such an important important part of leadership and creating an impactful employee experience. So what do you tell managers or executives who say only to focus on the job or to focus on the results?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Cause uh, I remember posting that. I posted that I think on LinkedIn when someone told me that and something gets lost in translation there. When you read it, you don't catch the tone. When it was said to me, it was like, don't get this confused. This isn't about them. This is about you. And like, you can't capture that in a LinkedIn post, but yeah. um, so different, so different. Like, um, you know, the way that, you know, here at Titus that we operate today, it's a partnership and we serve our partners. And that's how the, in, that's the, the phrase that we use. We're, we're serving our partners. It's kind of like servant leadership in a way, but it's serving our clients. And we like truly believe that. So it's just such a stark contrast. Um, but, you know, to your question, you know, when you talk about leaders who only focus on the job, right, like, let's just get this done. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't, I just don't believe that's the best way to do it. You know, if you hire great people, and you train them appropriately, and then you take care of them, they're going to do that. They're going to do the job. Um, but, you know, if you, uh, you know, the you look at it the other way, if you, if you don't take care of your people and you focus on just hitting a deadline or completing whatever project it is at all costs, um, that's a great way to burn people out. It's a great, you know, it's a great way to make them open to getting a message from someone like myself and losing them to a different company. So for me, um, you know, I just feel like if you do the right things by your people and you hire great people and you give them the tools to succeed, the rest kind of take care of, you know, it takes care of itself. Yeah. So that's what I would say to managers who just focus on a task. If you focus on the, you know, your people, um, you know, you're you're gonna win and you're gonna win in a way that's a lot better for everybody.
0: Yeah. I think that uh, you know, when you look at again, when you're really focused on the people and you really are looking at taking care of them, right? Right, then they that's one less thing that they have to think about as employees. And that's yeah. how you can really get engagement up is because then you allow them to actually focus on the work versus, oh my gosh, like I have to focus on the results or I have to focus on clients or something else. Like if they can truly just focus on, if you can kind of take away the distractions for them, right? then they, they're able to do an amazing job.
1: Well, and that's what leadership, like part of it is all about. Like there's a lot of things that leadership is about, but one of the things that it's about is about putting your people in the position to succeed, right? And that could be training them. That could be playing to their strengths. It could be removing concerns or obstacles. But as a leader, your job is to make your people as effective as possible. And I I truly believe, you know, the best way to do that is to make it a great environment for them um, and to help them and to make sure they feel emotionally safe as, as maybe as funny as that sounds or as new school as that sounds. But I just think it's important there's a lot of ways to get people to do something. You can tell someone to do something or you can make them want to do something. And you will never get the same results. Just telling someone to do that long. If you can make it so people want to follow you and want to accomplish the tasks in front of them, it is so much more powerful, uh, so much more scalable. And it's, it's going to be so much more long-term than saying, Hey, you need to do this.
0: Yeah, totally. So you've been in the recruiting space for over 10 years now and you have a really strong focus on the candidate experience so what do you think most organizations are missing or glossing over when it comes to recruiting Well I
1: think all the metrics and all their KPIs are just about filling the role right I mean if you walk into any corporate recruit like any corporate recruiting department um, in America I don't know as much about you know in other parts of the world but if you go into America and you ask them hey how do you measure recruiters they're going to tell you oh how many roles they have open, time to fill. Every place will tell you time to fill. But how many of them have a metric around dispositioning candidates timely? How many have a, a metric around getting them feedback? I think whatever you measure and whatever you rate people on are the things you are going to be able to improve. But you know, I, I've, I've worked with a ton of companies. I've been a corporate recruiter. I just don't know if we do anything to measure candidate experience in an appropriate way. Um, it's just, it just doesn't seem to be a big focus. Some companies I'm sure do an amazing job that it. You know, I've worked with companies who really care about that, but too many companies, um, you know, they're focused on opening a role, how quick can we close it, let's close it. And they don't do enough of the other little things right regarding candidate experience. I think that's a big problem.
0: Yeah. The, when you traditionally look at employee experience and employee engagement, right? You you think about from day one on because that's when they are quote unquote an employee, but that start that process and that impression starts so much further upstream because again, have they heard about your company? What is the employee value proposition that your organization has? What are, what is the culture? What is the reputation that you guys have? And then how do you treat Them as candidates, and that candidate experience really carries into their first day, and oh yeah, and you absolutely have to make sure that that is a focus. Otherwise, you're essentially starting at like this, neg quote unquote like negative level, right? Like yeah, starting behind the eight ball. If you have a bad candidate experience, you can have the greatest experience once you're an employee. But if you have a bad candidate experience, you're really putting yourself behind
1: totally i you know i've said before that retention starts at onboarding but it's wrong retention probably realistically starts before they're even a candidate for your organization you know what what how do people in the market view your organization you know how appealing are you what do people who have interviewed with you say to their contemporaries there are so many things that that play a factor in it um but but yeah i mean you the candidate experience you you can't argue that it it doesn't at least start there, right? Like you could probably argue with me that, hey, their impression of you doesn't matter for before they apply. Yeah, And I'm sure there's compelling arguments on both sides of that debate. But as a candidate, they're already talking to you, they're working with people that they're gonna be working with once they come on board. It is absolutely starting at that point. And companies don't treat you better um, when you become an employee. This is something I say to candidates sometimes, the way they treat you when you're a candidate is a great glimpse into how you will be treated as an employee. And I truly feel that way. I mean, it's not like they're going to treat you terrible in the process. And then those same exact people are going to be much more accommodating and nicer when you're an employee.
0: Yeah. It made me think of kind of that dating trope, right? Like the relationship isn't going to get better when you're dating someone from (laughs) your first date, right? It's not going to get better. It, 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 you see them, that first impression, that first date, that first interaction that you have between you know employer and candidate, that's your first date. And if you don't have a great experience off the bat, it's not gonna, it's probably not gonna get better. People are on their best behavior. It's not gonna yep. get better than that. It's <laughs> not, they're not gonna be better behaved after that. Yeah, absolutely. So something that I think is really interesting and you've also come into the recruiting space during an economic downturn, and we're currently in one as well. Is that you know, as we see economies recover from recessions, the job market shifts dramatically, both from an employer and from a candidate perspective. So, how do companies and leaders prepare for whatever shift happens with candidate expectations as we come out of this downturn?
1: Yeah, that that's a great question. I mean, I I've said a few times that this is the most challenging recruiting market I've seen. Um, since I've been in in the game, if you will. Um, and I I think right now it's a lot rosier than it was in in June or July. I'm sure there's some people listening to this who are, you know, still searching for employment and they're like, well, not for me. And you know, I I totally understand that. But just from like an overall standpoint, things were really rough in June. Like really rough. And right now there's a lot more hiring taking place, which is a good thing. So if you're one of those people listening to it. Just know that there is momentum in a positive way, you know, from, from where I sit. Um, and, uh, but 2010, when I learned how to recruit, that was really tough as well. And from a candidate experience, um, you know, standpoint, you know, there's so many different ways to look at it, but, you know, I, I tell candidates now that um, there's just a lot less margin for error. And I think that's kind of across the board, you know, it's like you're a candidate and you're interviewing, Right now, I mean, you could be competing with people who otherwise, if it wasn't for what we're going through, they wouldn't be on the market. Um, So it's just so much more competitive. And you know, you're right, that'll shift, right? As companies start to hiring more, that competition will dissipate just a little bit. Um, But right now, from a candidate perspective, um, you know, when I'm kind of giving people advice, it's just that your margin for error is almost non-existent. So like, you know, everything that you can control, you should control from making sure uh that your resume and LinkedIn profile is as good as it can possibly be to making sure you are prompt and you have alerts set up. So when jobs are posted, you can get in there right away and be one of the first applicants to making sure you prepare adequately so that you're truly putting your best foot forward when you're actually interviewing and engaging with companies. You know, it's there, there's a lot of great people right now who are looking for work. And that just means it's more competitive.
0: Yes. What, what is a tip? I mean, you've shared a couple already, but what is the, you know, a tip that you might be able to give candidates who have been looking for a long time? Because there's a lot of people out there who are really getting discouraged at the current market.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many tips. I feel like I get like, if, if, so if you're following me on, on LinkedIn um, I feel like I give tips daily. Um, I, have, um, I have a YouTube channel that I recently started where I just upload my content. So I have content that I'll put on, on LinkedIn and it's interview advice. I don't know if there's any one thing. If I could give you one thing, it's prepare, right? Yeah. Like the one thing you can truly, truly control is being prepared, right? So do research on that organization. You know, look at that job description and be like, yes, check the box. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Be prepared to speak to it. Go online, practice interview questions, you know, practice your answers, know what you're going to say, and then come prepared with a long list of questions to ask that employer because it's important for a myriad of reasons. So that's a lot of things in one ball. But if I could give one tip, it's prepare. Yeah. Um, the last thing you want to do is like, ah, I should have practiced for that. Now I didn't. And now I got to wait for that next interview. And I don't know when that's going to come. Um, so yeah, it's it's just control what you can control and prepare don't wing it.
0: Yeah. It's really important to really take things into your own hands, especially as a, as a candidate out there. So yeah, completely. Uh, so continuing on with employee engagement, you've once compared employee engagement to a restaurant where yes, someone might go to a restaurant for food, but you really also want that nice atmosphere, the friendly experience, etc. And we know that companies with better employee engagement are more than 20% more profitable, right? Yeah. So why aren't you know, in your eyes, in your perspective, why aren't more companies investing and focusing more on employee engagement?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. Um, you know, I think it, it comes back to that old saying where if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. And I think some of the people who are in charge, they have, uh, you know, they've got more important things, you know, in, in, the, in their perspective, right? Like if you're in charge of leading a, a company strategically, and you're looking at all the different things right now, for example, there's COVID response, there's, you know, maybe your, your market share is dwindling. Uh, maybe the market itself is, is kind of, you know, you know condensing. Like there's so many things to worry about that I think sometimes, you know, to leaders, they look, well, what do you mean are my employees happy and engaged? <laughs> like, yeah. what do you mean how safe do they feel? What do you mean are we taking care of them as a person? Right, Like those things, when you just look at the, the wide array of things that leadership is responsible for making sure the lights stay on at an organization, I think some people just, they look at that and they go, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's truly a priority right now. I think that's what it comes down to. I don't think people sit somewhere in an ivory tower and go, I hope my people are unhappy. Like I, I don't think people say that. What I do think is they go, hey, I'll take care of that after I take care of concerns one through 35. Um, but I, I also feel like that's flawed. Like I don't feel like, ah, totally, I get that. I understand you're absolved of any responsibility towards making sure your people are engaged. Um, I feel like you can have a person whose responsibility is that, right? Like a people officer. Yeah. They need to care about that you know, and maybe if they're too busy for that, someone who, you know, reports into them needs to care about that and needs to be driving that. I know that there are a lot of things out there, but I also think that's too significant to be ignored.
0: So that's what I think it comes down to. Yeah, I, I think, I, I agree with you too. I, you know, it is, it does end up falling on someone like a chief people officer, or, you know, head of HR. The thing that I would also push back on is, And this notion of leading people first is you do everything through people, right? So if you consider, and you shared this earlier, is if you consider how you're going to accomplish your goals, if you think about your employees and your team first, in order to accomplish those goals, then you will be more successful and you'll be, you'll have a more engaged workforce versus, okay, what are these goals? And then all you do is you plug and play people into those into those goals or projects. I think that's the backwards, you know, thinking of what it is to be leading people first. You really need to think about your people and then think about how you're going to accomplish those goals versus yeah. versus the other way around.
1: No, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. And I think, um, I think that's the right way to approach it. Like personally, like I'm the type of person who goes, well, if you hire amazing people and you find a way to make them as effective as possible, you're probably gonna solve a lot of your problems. You know, make sure they're happy and effective. Um, and a lot of those other things that you're worried about probably get solved. Yeah. Um, but I think not everyone's there yet.
0: Yeah, we've got a lot of work to do on that front. Uh, yeah. You know, before we before we wrap up, I did wanna share, you know, a piece of a, a, a feedback, some praise from Jonathan Reynolds, your boss's boss yeah. about you. <laughs> And what he sent to me was, you know, I'd asked, I'm like, well, can you share something about Ben's leadership? And immediately he said, well, this is an easy thing for me to answer. Ben is a leader who is very competitive and has a desire to be the best version of himself and for each member of his team around him to be the same. However, as a humble competitor, I've never seen Ben's desire to win be at the cost of anyone around him. He has not jostled his way to the top, put anyone else down in the process, nor speak poorly of others ben white is a man of character so i think that just based on what you've said so you know in this interview what we've talked about i've definitely seen that and it's great to great to see and just know that you're recognized in your organization yeah Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome Uh, thank you for going again that quote and that's an that's an awesome that's an awesome quote
1: to hear i for me i always say that the most important thing i do in my my job is lead people you know i'm responsible for a variety of different things and, and metrics but nothing is more important than leading in the right way um it's just you know hitting numbers is a responsibility if you're in a position where you have numbers that you need to hit for your you know the well-being of your organization but nothing is a bigger responsibility than taking care of your people um you know in the in the best way possible so yeah um, that's this is how i I personally choose to lead and I hope I never deviate from you
0: know from that way of leading. Totally. Well, I think that your your work speaks for it's, itself. So, final question, what is the impact that you are looking to have?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that depends on what I'm what I'm doing, right? You know, I think cuz there's a few things like if you talk about you know my my content creation for example, my goal because I create content for people who are interviewing and I create content for people who are hiring. And the reason I do it for both is because I think the way we currently interview people isn't set up to find people who are great at doing a great job. I think to some degree, the way we have interviewing set up is to find people who are great at interviewing. And if I can help people who aren't great at interviewing but great at their jobs, succeed more frequently, and I can help people hiring, hire people who are great accountants, but not great at answering, what are you going to do in five years? I think I've helped everybody. Yeah. So when it comes to content creation, I mean, I truly do want to help people and help them become more effective at what they're trying to do. As far as what I do for Titus, I want to serve my partners in a way that, um, you know, they feel like I truly know them. And I, you know, I'm making them the best version of themselves that they can be. Um, And then most importantly, when it comes to to my people, um, I just want to lead them in a way so that when they leave my team, or if I was to leave, you know, they look at it and they go, that was a a leader who truly cared about me and did what was best for me every time. Um,
0: So I guess that's what I'm trying to accomplish. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Really yeah, likewise. love learning more about you and your style of leadership and what you've, you've been able to accomplish. So where can people connect with you?
1: Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn. I post, you know, one to three times every single day on LinkedIn. So if we're not connected, feel free to send me an invite. I have a, a website, gettingthejobhq.com, where you can find a bunch of my written content in long form if you're interested in 2,000 words on how to interview uh, in a variety of ways. And then um, probably one of the more exciting ones, too, is my YouTube channel. So it's Ben Talks Talent, and I upload all of my videos um, from, from LinkedIn there. Um, and I'll be creating some exclusive content that's probably a little bit longer and better for YouTube than it is for LinkedIn. Um, so I would say, yeah, Ben talks talent on YouTube is another great way. So any of those ways would be great. If you find me on LinkedIn, send me a message and say, hi. Um,
0: yeah, that's, that's how to do it. Awesome. Well, Ben, thank you again. Again, I really loved this conversation. So thanks. Likewise.
1: Thanks Chris. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the leading people first podcast. Listening to Ben's story and his approach to leadership makes me feel a whole lot better that there are recruiters out there who truly care about the employee experience. Leaders are constantly pulled in different directions and have so many responsibilities that it's easy to forget about what it feels like to be a candidate. Prioritizing hiring and creating a positive candidate experience is something that should be automatically baked into our processes and needs to become second nature for managers. If you want to learn more about Ben, or maybe you're a job seeker and you want some interview tips. Be sure to check out Ben Talks Talent on LinkedIn and YouTube, and give him a follow on both platforms. Links to both are in the show notes. I'm glad you're joining me on this journey exploring how leadership affects the employee experience. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.
2: This is Kristen Sherry, creator of the UMAP profile. What I love most about my job is all the messages I receive from people around the world who have experienced transformation from UMAP. Just today I received an email that said, This report is amazingly accurate. You guys nailed it. I should have pursued the career that I used to pretend when I was a young girl, a news reporter. I deeply appreciate all the knowledge and ingenuity that Kristen put into creating this UMAP tool. I now feel a sense of relief that I have found myself again. Are you a coach, a consultant, a leader? or an HR professional who wants to hear your employees or clients have these similar breakthroughs, consider joining the UMAP certification. All the coaches who go through our program always say the same thing. Of all the certifications I have, this one is by far the most valuable. And the UMAP profile was awarded the 2020 Career Innovation Award by Career Directors International. Visit myumap.com for more information.